I, I want to be held accountable for what I'm doing. You know, this may sound like an, an exaggeration, but it was like the 9-11 of my career and certainly of making kombucha. Jesus is smart. This idea of income inequality, that always strikes me as a very, it's a deceptive term, income inequality. Well, let's flip it around. It comes from outcome inequality. In five, four, three, two. I got the loot, Steve! Hello, welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. My name is Sean P. McCarthy, and I'm joined today by all of my co-hosts. Yogi Poyle. Andy Palmer. Steve Jeffries. And so this week, we wanted to take a, a deep look at the Bank of Credit and Commerce, which I think is one of the greatest scandals in American political history that's almost unknown today. You know, I mean, maybe it's just my own ignorance, but I only learned about the Bank of Credit and Commerce just incidentally doing research for this podcast. Right. We did the the Mafuz family episode about the Saudi Arabian billionaires, and I learned about the Bank of Credit and Commerce through that. And... Um, the bank, yeah. No way this scandal's bigger than the Janet Jackson nipplegate of Super Bowl uh, 41, I believe. Right. Well, what I would argue to you is I think Iran-Contra is a bigger scandal than Watergate. Mm -hmm. And yet Iran-Contra, people have heard it, but they don't really know what it was for the most part, You know, myself included until recently. Right. I think BCCI, the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, is an even bigger scandal than Iran-Contra. So these two scandals that are that are so much bigger than Watergate, you know, why are they so not talked about today? Why are the, the, the effects of them, which we are still feeling, why are they not part of our political discussion? Um, and, you know, I have a couple... Well, of course, neither of these compares to the uh, enormous uh, Russiagate conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a couple theories, because uh, Iran-Contra, of course, takes place under the Ronald Reagan administration, and uh, George H.W. Bush was part of it, and the very same thing happens with BCCI. This is Sarah Kenzier from Gaslit Nation, and you're listening to Mueller She Wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, we've got a choir. It's a whole thing that we're dealing with here, but uh, we got to play this every 15 minutes now. Yeah. Well, uh, so Robert Mueller was, Mueller was actually part of the BCCI scandal in that he was part of the Justice Department as the Assistant Attorney General, and his job was to go on television and say, no, there's not a cover-up here. <laughs> we just didn't look into this shit for like 20 years, 15 years. Uh, so at best... Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Robert Mueller's role, but at best his role was uh, following orders to pretend there is nothing wrong here. Well, that's what a good. Uh, that's completely uh, uncharacteristic of uh, you know how he handled, let's say, uh, anthrax or. Um, <laughs> but so everything he, else he had to investigate. The brief uh, summary of Bank of Credit and Commerce International, it was originally a Pakistani bank that became an international bank, uh, but then in 1991, it was indicted by Robert Morgenthau, the uh, Manhattan District Attorney. Mm -hmm. It went bankrupt, and it was indicted for being a giant fraud Ponzi scheme, stealing billions of dollars of depositor money, being involved in arms trading all over the world, um, you know, also child trafficking, drug trading, uh, terrorism, uh, being a front, uh, having accounts for the CIA, the Mossad, uh, Pakistani intelligence. It was often called. Well, that's just uh, securing uh, our, our world from terrorists. Yeah. Uh, BCCI was often said it was like uh, 
one and the same with Pakistani intelligence, the ISI, for uh, its entire existence. Right. And so in 1991, it collapses, you know, again, $20 billion bank, at the time the seventh largest bank in the world. And then um, what we go through is that, you know, uh, various officials in the Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush administration kind of covered up for this. They kept it from being investigated. They, uh, you know, lo- quote unquote, lost memos that were sent up the chain about, hey, this is a giant fraud or, oh, this is terrorism, uh, terrorist funding, you know. So why is it that this huge scandal of the Reagan and George H.W. Bush administration is not talked about today by Democrats? Well, I might have two audio drops that might uh, maybe shed some light on why that is. Okay, here it goes. Bazinga. <laughs> Was that it? Yes, the uh, the young Sheldon BCCI. <laughs> oh, young Sheldon. Okay. If it's funny, it's bazinga. <laughs> Interesting. Is young Sheldon still on? Uh, it, he was part of the BCCI blackmail scandal, <laughs> so he actually has tapes of um, CBS executives with dancing girls in the Lahore. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, so they can't take it off the air. I, I learned to code, and I made us a, a new drops player, and now I have them all at my fingertips. And so there, we have a whole set of drops that we're going to play, uh, but at the same time... In the land of wonder, the land down under... <laughs> And perhaps most impressive of all the men seen with Abedi, a former president of the United States, Jimmy Carter. Carter flew around the world with Abedi, with millions of dollars from BCCI to promote good works in the third world. The Bank of Credit and Commerce is unique among all the banks that I've ever dealt with. They are major sponsors. Mr. Carter may not have known it, but he became BCCI's most important ambassador. Law enforcement authorities now say BCCI used Carter's trips to Africa to further its larger, grander scheme. And Bazinga. Now BCCI's political connections have become an issue in the 1992 presidential campaign. A major financial backer of Democratic frontrunner Bill Clinton has long-standing ties to BCCI. Multimillionaire Jackson Stevens brokered a deal through which BCCI secretly gained control of the National Bank of Georgia, and Stevens assisted in BCCI's initial takeover attempt of First American. Bazinga! Stevens also helped to raise funds for another firm linked to BCCI, the Harkin Energy Corporation. President Bush's son, George, sits on the board of Harkin Energy. congratulate my dad. The Bush campaign is also under scrutiny for its BCCI links. James Lake, the president's deputy campaign manager, Sean's mad about has Bazinga. come under fire for his public relations contract with BCCI's new owner, Sheikh Zayed of Abu Dhabi. But so you heard um, Bill, uh, Jimmy Carter call it uh, BCCI unique among banks that he has ever dealt with, you mm-hmm. know, unique. Not not every bank will uh, secretly film senators having sex with children uh, trafficked from Lahore. Uh, so you heard Jimmy Carter praise BCCI as unique among banks he's dealt with. Uh, he went on... Seems all- like something we should revisit in a, a second. <laughs> uh We'll, we will get to that. You heard uh, Jimmy Carter describe BCCI as unique among banks he's dealt with, uh, according to the book The Outlaw Bank by Jonathan Beattie and S.C. Gwynn. Uh, they were former Time magazine correspondents. They said that... Uh, oh, B- do they do the one on whether angels are real? 
Uh, they said that BCCI gave at least $10 million to Carter, Jimmy Carter's charitable efforts. So whether or not Carter was a knowing participant, when you're flying around the world with this bank as your charitable arm and taking money from it, people will say, oh, that's a trustworthy bank. President Jimmy Carter, he's a nice guy. He right, works right. with that bank. We should put our money in there. And then suddenly, you know, 15 or 18 billion of deposits is just gone because Jimmy Carter went around and said, yeah, the Bank of Credit and Commerce International is unique. Put your money in there. Um, and then the second drop was, of course, Bill Clinton. Uh, Jackson T. Stevens is a Arkansas. He's dead now, but a, a billionaire. His son is a billionaire. He was an Arkansas businessman, one of the uh, early f- uh, funders of Walmart, who put a bunch of money into Bill Clinton's presidential campaign, who was also heavily linked to BCCI, who helped uh, BCCI get their uh, front company bank set up in the United States of America. So why is the BCCI scandal not talked about the way Watergate is? Well, maybe it's the fact that Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton are also implicated in <laughs> So you've got Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, all just knee-deep in this shit. And, uh, Sean, these sounds like white people problems, okay, man? <laughs> I don't know what you're bringing this all this up for. But I guess what I wanted to do today is go kind of on a deep dive on this, what I do think is of the 20th century, one of the greatest scandals in American politics. And I want to spend time and we're going to divide this into a two-parter at least. We might do a third part if we have to because I don't want to uh, have to skip anything. That's a threat to the audience, by the way. Yeah, we'll do a third part if we have to. If you really ask for it, we'll do a fourth part as well. We, yeah. we might not have anything to say about it at that point, but you know what? Four hours of BCCI content. We'll pull this podcast over, and you will not be allowed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we listen to the listeners, and uh, we know you don't want to hear about BCCI's involvement in child sex trafficking or blackmail or the CIA. This is going to be about the Forex market. This is going to be about Cayman Islands. This is going to be about leverage ratios. This is a deep financial dive Mm -hmm. on BCCI Mm -hmm. with nothing salacious for four hours. (laughs) Four-parter on the finances of BCCI. More boring than C-SPAN. On to this. Sean, why are you hard? (laughs) Well, suck. Well, on this. On on this. Suck. Andy, you can't do that and then get mad when people complain about you on Reddit. Well, suck on this. I was only mad because the uh, post-production drops were being conflated with me. Well, yes. Suck it's on me. On well, well suck, suck on, on this. Um, but so we'll divide this into kind of part one. It'll be uh, what you're listening to now on the free side, part two, and if necessary, part three on the paywall. And, you know, if you have any, uh, if, if you're upset about that, just to be clear, part two will be all of the libel. So it is sure. for our own safety that right. that is behind the paywall because with uh, BCCI, you have what is, you know, very much known in public, but you do have a lot of other links, very possibly to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, which we'll get to. Where, Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> where there's no way of, at least with the information we have now, there's no way of proving it, but there's so much smoke that there has to be, you know, something going on that's right. more than what we know. And it is just kind of mind-blowing with BCCI because all of these books, all of these TV specials, we played t- uh, you a Frontline and an NBC News report from, I think, 1992. Mm-hmm. All of this talk in 92, 93 was about BCCI. And then you try to look nothing since right, then right. just complete radio silence what i love about that that frontline episode it's on youtube i i highly suggest checking it out uh partially for you know the the whole finance whatever 
but also because uh, in the 90s, they talked differently than they do now, and you don't realize <laughs> it until about 30 years later, and then and then it really starts to stand out. And they, they, they have all these uh, just, like, things that you... Um, the sum total of this committee's investigation is that you have been in bed with BCCI for at least 10 years. You're telling us all you got was a back rub. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's different. Yeah, Nowadays, yeah. No one would ever talk about... Uh, Our senators are so uh, boring compared to that. No, no one yeah. ever speak figuratively about a back rub. No, they, yeah. no. <laughs> God, no. Yeah. Sounds like... I don't speak. even like back rubs. I'll take your back rubs. I was doing a Dershowitz thing. Oh. <laughs> Sounds like he needs to study a PUA escalation techniques. <laughs> you know, if you're in bed with somebody and you can't escalate from a back rub, like you got to take my course for forty nine ninety nine a month <laughs> for the fifteen dollar patrons who do our PUA episodes. We all the have Sean McCarthy method. <laughs> we all have uh, pickup artist names. I'm Destiny. I'm, I'm the the outlaw bank. I'm Drops. <laughs> Yo, you want to get what? your dick game up? You got to talk to Drops. <laughs> we uh, we all show up in flowing Middle Eastern turbans, <laughs> and that's that's Peacock that's, game because yeah. no one else in the that's club. Right. Mm-hmm. There are no other white mm-hmm. people yeah. in the Just club. yourself. Dr- dressed like sheiks. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. Once you get the Kino going, you look in your you look right in her eyes and you say, "Bazinga!" <laughs> we don't go to clubs. We go to bingo halls to pick up chicks. Trust me, when they say D9, it's going to be mine, if you know what I mean. But so, when we talk about BCCI, there's so many... We'll talk more about how to get pussy at the bingo clubs in the bonus. (laughs) But I guess with BCCI, there's so many different rabbit holes we could go down. Again, this is linked to uh, arms trafficking, child trafficking, drug trafficking, money laundering, uh, bribery, assassinations, intelligence gathering. Incidentally, Uh, they didn't uh, contribute to traffic in general, though. Yes. Uh, (laughs) But what I wanted to... A lot of public transportation. Mm Mm-hmm. The the thing that most concerns me about BCCI is uh, the Central Intelligence Agency uh, and its 67% approval rating among the American <laughs> public. Like, they did a survey. It's something like 67% of Americans approve of the Central Intelligence Jesus Agency. Christ. And it's just one of those things where it's and like... after they stopped giving people acid. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where this only happens because people don't know. Like, they don't know about Iran-Contra, that they were running fucking rape genocide squads all, the, all throughout Central and South America, and they don't know about BCCI where they're probably at least uh, partly linked to child trafficking. Well, don't and know. The key can't even look it up. Like you're mentioning, it's been like a washed off the internet in so many ways. And I mean, even these drops and these videos we found, the front line's on YouTube. Right. But the, ni- the 92 uh, NBC footage, I had to clean up the audio bit because it's from like a VHS copy of the goddamn footage. Right. So it's, you know, it, it's being deleted off the web as it is, let alone people having knowledge of it. They can't even fucking find it. But there are I- Wikipedia pages of, like uh, CIA linked activity to South American dictatorships mm-hmm. coming to power. Oh and, like, yeah, you can just go and visit the wiki for the CIA coups and right, right, fact coups in Chile. Wikipedia is actually pretty decent for um find for like classified information getting leaked, um or just like hard to find things. Like they have trouble taking it down because like to take it down because it's classified, you have to admit it's classified. 
But it's well, happened on the uh, podcast before where like we've we've looked up shit and then I found like older articles that link stuff from a Wikipedia that's now been cleaned that's not on the Wikipedia. I mean, you're right. right. It's better than certainly previous uh, ways to have information. But I mean, it's all the billionaire class is certainly monitoring what information about them is on the internet, if not billionaire uh, industries that need to be cleaned as well. It's hence the case with BCCI. And mm-hmm. what's really what's really annoying with um like the whole, you know, Americans love the CIA thing. As I was talking to someone recently about like Valerie Plame and how, you know, she's running this kind of bullshit. I'm, right, I was a right. badass CIA agent campaign. And the person I was talking to was like, uh, and I was talking about all the like shit that the CIA's done. Mm-hmm. And the person I was talking to was like, well, I mean, you don't know that Valerie Plame's done that. I mean, she, what she did was stuff <laughs> for national security. Right, and it's right. like, Name what she's actually done for national security. I mean, it's classified. Of course. So you can't actually name, like, either the good or the bad things that, like, the CIA actually does. Well, the way I look at it is the same way, like, when I remember growing up, if you went to, like, New York or Washington, D.C., you would come back with, like, a NYPD or FBI merch, you know? Like, that was, like, a common thing to buy. And, you know, you look at now with, like, the the fair uh, beating of the, I mean, the fair, uh, what the fuck it's called, the the cops in the subways right now, because the the being the fair, oh yeah fair the, enforcement yeah, yeah fair enforcement like you know they got a guy who's in a fucking subway and they're like we thought he had a gun but also we knew that he jumped the turnstile so we had 15 cops on him to like it's like it doesn't make any Sa- fucking sounds sense sounds like a fair beating to me <laughs> <laughs> but i mean like in the same vein like you know we look at you these, get what you deserve <laughs> <laughs> these you know officials of authority like they are uh, doing a only a good service for the citizens of the world if not at least this country but the reality is that's not the case well that's what i would say is with the cia the people who know about it and still approve of it i think what you'll find from some of them is yeah the cia did bad things in the past but that's all over now <laughs> right. but what i want to emphasize with iran contra and bcci again this is the mid 80s through the early 90s what I want to emphasize here is that the people at the CIA involved in those are the ones leading the CIA today. Right, of course. Like, nobody got fired or arrested for this shit. Like, there were the Iran-Contra prosecutions where they were pardoned by George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush. But the thing is, these organizations, it's the same fucking people right, of course. at the end of the day. So that's why they are so relevant, and it's why it's very disturbing that it's not talked about, where, you know, Richard Nixon is a corrupt crook, but Ronald Reagan is praised by Democrats mm-hmm. when, by all accounts, I mean, they're both bad guys. But, you know, Reagan is not some uh, uh, honorable man who did the right thing. He ran a fucking genocide in South and Central America, and he ran weapons uh, to both sides of the Iran-Iraq war in a very horrible war. Yeah. But what a run, though. You yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but that's I mean, why they like him. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with what they did, but they did it so well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Edward Snowden talks. They appreciate um, the effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, talks uh, pretty eloquently about how, like, many intelligence operations, from his view on the inside, and of course he can talk freely because, you know, as long as he's uh, uh, indicted for uh, treason, you know, he's got nothing to lose in terms of saying everything that he saw on the inside. Right. Um, it, from his perspective, like a lot of the uh, spying apparatus uh, in the NSA, but also in the CIA, it's just to maintain American interests, which means it doesn't mean the interests of like the average American person. It's American business interests. Of course. Like the, the, and that's kind of the dirty secret of um, <clears throat> the American intelligence community is it's not about stopping terrorism or 
um, you know, I it, would argue all figures of authority. I completely agree with you, but I think yeah, I think everything from the FBI to CIA to the government itself to even cops on the street, they're protecting property, not rights. Exactly. Yeah. But so, and you know, again, there's a lot of things we can go down with BCCI, but something I find fascinating is that it really predates the modern multinational corporation, where BCCI is best understood as a sovereign nation-state. It's the anarcho-capitalist dream, Mm -hmm. where BCCI literally had their own intelligence service called the Black Network, where according to to the outlaw bank, it had about 1,500 employees. And these are secret agents, and you know we'll go through it a little bit more, but they talk about how they were doing blackmail operations. They were doing assassinations for the CIA. Mm -hmm. They were doing assassinations for BCCI. Of course, you know, extortion, threatening people, gathering intelligence, all this stuff. Um, Wow. Secret Asians doing blackmail for a black network. Sean, come on. What what, what is this? The CIA want POC to take all the blame? (laughs) How do you become secret agent? Secret agent? Listen, there's a whole process, but trust me, it's worth it. (laughs) Is that what that eyelid surgery is about? Yeah, the feet binding thing, similar, very similar. <laughs> but, you know, so it really presages a lot of modern, uh, the modern corporation, but also the offshore, the money laundering thing. Uh, the, the book, The Outlaw Bank, it ends by pointing out, this book was written in 1993, it ends by pointing out that if the law was reformed with regards to the Cayman Islands as a um, tax secrecy state, if mm-hmm. the United States just said, hey, any uh, government that opts that operates as a tax shelter, as a tax secrecy jurisdiction, right. if they just say that you cannot have any of your money throw through the flow through the United States, they would have to reform those laws immediately. Do we know if people actually live on the Cayman Islands or if it's just a bunch of like folders that say that have the names of companies? Yeah. Just in a building. <laughs> well, the funny thing about the Cayman Islands is everyone pretends the billions that flow in there every year are just like to buy fucking umbrellas for the beach <laughs> and like sandals. That's yeah. so great. Like I spent 17 billion on just sandals for my uh, beach visit. This is Cabana Futures, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something where, so what happened uh, in a nutshell with the BCI theft is they set up a Cayman Islands holding company that owned the actual company. The Cayman Islands does not have to report any tax information or any corporate information to any tax authority anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. They set up this uh, Cayman Islands holding company, and then billions of dollars flow through the Cayman Islands and disappear. You know, so billions of dollars of depositor money uh, was just stolen straight out and mm-hmm. divert it for, again, intelligence operations, bribery, everything else. Um, There's one in but, Luxembourg, too. I think. Right, yeah. They the set smaller up, one. They set up their first company in Luxembourg, and then they set up another holding company in Cayman Islands, mm-hmm. which is how, like, these shells work. We were talking about... Like, we're the suckers. We set up our podcast LLC in New York State <laughs> when what we should be doing and will do is incorporate it in Delaware right. and then get a Cayman Islands holding mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. and then Grubstakers yeah. will not pay any taxes. Well, I mean, we were considering having the holding company be in Ireland, mm-hmm. right? but what with the Brexit shit going down, I mean, so know, much uncertainty. We just want to be oh, safe, yeah. and Delaware yeah. is a safer need, option. We need to safeguard our assets. All I know is I want to have at least 10 different holding companies. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start in Delaware. Then we're going to Ireland, then we're going to Luxembourg, (laughs) then we're going to Cayman Islands. The ultimate irony would be all of us becoming billionaires (laughs) due to all of the research we've done on these fucking billionaires. We'd pay like 10,000 more setting up the holding companies than we ever would have in taxes. (laughs) It turns out our real moneymaker is a shell company that just literally sells uh, seashells. (laughs) 
Turns out those get really big. It it becomes like uh, tulips in in the Netherlands. That's right, yeah. But it's like, you know, I guess on the surface level of the BCCI scandal, they, you know, they did money laundering laundering for Pablo Escobar's Medellin cartel. But, you know, cocaine smuggling is the least interesting thing they were involved in. (laughs) I do like their... their, like fraud model of just like yeah yeah i'll hold your money for you and then just stealing it (laughs) like you think it's going to be like this complicated like you know for all the layers of like shell companies it's just like yeah no just you can trust me with your money and then just like leaving with it that's well the bcci business model is really fascinating to me because it's like they figured out who you're allowed to steal from because bcci and we'll get to this in just a second here they set up in the Gulf states where um, with all the oil money, there's a lot of Pakistani migrant workers who go to the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, etc. Mm-hmm. Yep. They all need to send remittances back home to Pakistan. So BCCI becomes their bank of choice. Uh, so they get all that money and it's like, okay, migrant workers. Yes, you can definitely steal from them. Uh, the Medellin cartel. Oh, no, <laughs> you cannot steal from them. All of the yeah, people who, all of the people who Carter mentions as being like, wow, BCCI is what a fascinating solution of the market this right. is mm-hmm. those are people who you can steal from yeah um and you know and so we'll get to the american uh, and uh let's say european as well aspect of this but we've talked about it a fair bit when it comes to you know the looting in the post-soviet ukraine and russia where uh, london and new york city and washington dc are all intimately involved in this so what i wanted to point out uh, just one more thing to start here is that ernst and young and price waterhouse cooper were the auditors of the books of BCCI Mm -hmm. for, again, like more than a decade from like 78 to 91. Um, And it is something where, uh, well, they both, they paid a a $175 million fine in 1998. But again, this is what, 15? Got him. 15 billion. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. 15 billion dollars go missing. And and these are two of the big four accounting firms. And they both like look at the books and say, yep, everything seems straight here. We didn't notice 15 billion dollars. And it's, you know, uh, the American American and British accounting firms are happy to collect their check to just look the other way. That's like when you, that's the equivalent of if you successfully dispute like a late charge on your on your checking account <laughs> yeah exactly um you know and uh uh in addition to being let's say a nation state in and of itself bcci i'll uh, i think to start this i'll just talk very briefly about iran contra and then we'll kind of go through chronological of bcci Yo, i love that sean's like we'll start this and it's, we're fucking 29 minutes into this <laughs> fucking episode already i guess we should get started <laughs> yeah though. and now to begin our show yeah <laughs> Well, wait, uh, Sean. Let me know when we're going to uh, the Middle East. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Um, so after all the bazinga drops, mm-hmm. yes. we'll start this with. Uh, <laughs> but so I guess just to say a couple other things, BCCI served as an intermediary for different nation states that couldn't be seen doing business together. Iran Contra was fundamentally. Um, various Americans are taken hostage in Lebanon, and then, uh, of course, the U.S. government does negotiate with terrorists all the time. Uh, uh, Hezbollah and Iran uh, have a deal going where the U.S. says, okay, we'll send, you know, tow missiles and other weapons to Iran in exchange, release the hostages and, you know, give us money. And then they send that money to the Contras because they can keep it, they can hide it from from Congress. Um, But, you know, BCCI serves as an intermediary where 
the weapons sent to Iran were actually sent from Israel to Iran, but for both the leaders of Israel and Iran, they can't be seen to be doing business together, so BCCI is the intermediary. They allow all this stuff to happen, and in exchange, you know, various nations look the other way at other shit BCCI is doing. Um, it is it is pretty funny how after uh, Watergate, uh, with all the, the revelations about the wrongdoing of the CIA, the church committee and all that, mm-hmm. Congress was like, we're going to cut your money in the CIA like that and got to cut it. And they're like, so what do you guys say about uh, selling uh, drugs and weapons? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... Uh, you know, make some bread. I mean, it's pr- it's a pretty standard practice. Like, hey, if you take a kid's toys away, he will find something else to play with. Yeah, yeah. So, fun story. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, the current Attorney General of the United States, William Barr, who just so happened to be in charge of the ju- Justice Department when Epstein was, quote-unquote, suicided, <laughs> the current uh, Attorney General... Uh, he they're was. Gonna, they're going to release those video, uh, the results of the video camera analysis any day now. <laughs> we're going to find out about uh, what those guards were up to, the guards who uh, did not work at the prison and were just <laughs> substitute <laughs> teachers, apparently. Uh, but yeah, so William Barr worked at the CIA from 1971 to 1977. He worked for the CIA, and part of his job there was stonewalling the church committee. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, another hopeful... Uh, hopefully a theme of this episode will be the Senate and the Congress has really no ability to impact oversight mm-hmm. of They've stopped now. Yeah. Of the CIA. They just don't care. Right. Like, yes, they they really haven't tried. Like, they did the thing with torture after uh, that came out, where the CIA was literally going through their garbage and spying on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Yeah. Still no prosecutions. Oh, yeah. And then the CIA was like, hey, how about you uh, don't release any of this to the public? And Feinstein was like, okay. <laughs> but so a uh, fun story about William Barr at the CIA from 1971 to 1977 becomes attorney general uh, for the end of George H.W. Bush's term uh, in 1992 becomes attorney general shuts down the BC or I shouldn't say shuts down but limits the scope of the BCCI mm-hmm. investigation so I wonder why he did that yeah John. and then also he was the one who told George H.W. Bush to pardon uh, six of the people involved in Iran-Contra including Elliot Abrams uh, for lying, for perjury. And they were originally just going to um, pardon, I think, Casper uh, Weinberger. I think that's his name. But uh, uh, William Barr gave the quote, I told him, um, in for a penny, in for a pound, if you're going to pardon one of the Iran-Contra guys, pardon all the Iran-Contra guys. What? Baller. Yeah, and then we mentioned at the top here uh, Bill Clinton's uh, BCCI links. So his major fundraiser is cooked right into BCCI, Bill Clinton's is, so he's not going to look at what was going on there, and then the whole thing just gets swept under the rug. Maybe that's why Nixon went down. She didn't pardon any of his uh, <laughs> cronies. He hung them all out to dry, and so they were ready to flood. Mm-hmm. Big mistake. I just think Bill Clinton could take down BCCI because he just hated taking something down that had his initials, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little more on Bill Clinton in, in part two and, and possible Epstein connections and all that. But um, I guess to just start... The her connections between Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing of this. Uh, it is interesting. Uh, one more thing with, with BCCI, just researching this episode. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> researching this episode, I've got two more months of billionaire episodes blocked out because there's <laughs> so many random fucking billionaires that just show up in the BCCI scandal. Um, you know, they're, they're giving money to everybody. And again, this is the BCCI operating model. It's pretty fascinating. Every country they go into, they 
give jobs or just straight up cash bribes to influential political figures, politicians. Uh, they do this the most in Pakistan where they become like one and the same with the state and they're putting all these generals, putting all their sons on the board of directors and this kind of shit. Um, but, you know, of course they do it in in Washington, D.C. too. And so they uh, like they work with Henry Kissinger's lobbying firm for a bit. Uh, they... Um, they work with various American billionaires, uh, some of whom we'll do future episodes on, and uh, they work very closely with the ruling family of the United Arab Emirates, which is also another billionaire family that we'll, we'll do a future episode on. Speaking of uh, Pakistan, um, it, uh, Trump killed, I don't know, al-Baghdadi or announced it today, mm-hmm. but he was, I, I tuned in for a segment of the speech, and he was talking about Bin Laden, and he was like, I said in my book, there's this guy, Bin Laden, he's tall, he's handsome. (laughs) (laughs) You you gotta take the good parts of our president, calling Bin Laden handsome. (laughs) Did they find on Bin Laden's computer if he preferred Evangelion or Ghost in a Shell? (laughs) Ghost in a Shell. (laughs) Uh, but yes, that was another thing. They were like, yeah, we got all of Bin Laden's computers, but of course he, he was a political prisoner and had no internet connection. (laughs) And so like, there was obviously nothing on there. Wasn't it? That's another thing where they just kind of wiped it under the rug. Like, yeah, uh, it's all uh, classified. You can't see his porn collection. I thought he had an internet connection or was it just people would bring him shit on, uh, thumb drives or whatever. Uh, It must've been on thumb drives or something, but, or at least Hirsch said he didn't have an internet connection. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I forget the source for this, but I remember there's a come down episode where they're talking about how he used to go on um, YouTube comments and argue with people <laughs> with 9-11 truthers <laughs> and say, no, it was not an inside job. I wonder if they'll do like a mini series of Osama bin Laden's last days. Cause like on one hand it is a very like comedian on the road type of life where you're just hanging out for hours on end waiting for the end. <laughs> Maybe I own, I'm the only one that looks at it like a comedian on the road, but yep. it, it, it very much is the same vein, if you ask me. Well, apparently the Saudis were paying Pakistan to um, just keep them locked up. I mean, yeah, that so. makes sense, yeah. Right, and that's, you know... Same I think thing with comics. <laughs> <laughs> and jumping ahead just a little bit here, I think the most fascinating thing with the BCCI scandal, and the, the w- reason we're still uh, feeling the impact of this today, is BCCI was the conduit through which the United States... Uh, funded the Mujahideen, the uh, the fighters fighting the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. So BCCI was the conduit, BCCI and the Pakistani intelligence. The CIA would give them a bunch of guns, give them pallet loads of money, just straight up hard American cash, and they would give it to the ISI and BCCI agents and say, okay, you bring this into Afghanistan. So big surprise, a whole shit ton of that goes missing and gets skimmed off the top. I wonder why. So... Part of the reason the ISI, the Pakistani intelligence that was protecting bin Laden, part of the reason they became so powerful is because we dumped billions of dollars directly (laughs) on their lap to fight the Soviets. And this is a very uh, evil and shady organization. And now they're one of the biggest intelligence organizations in the world. Exactly, because we we dumped billions of dollars and, you know, countless weapons, and we looked the other way at heroin trafficking Mm -hmm. uh, going through Pakistan and the the routes they controlled. Uh, you know, and so this is an organization, the ISI, that planned and carried out the Mumbai terrorist attacks. So it's like so much of what we see in the world today can be traced back to what we did with BCCI. 
and you know with um with all the uh, uh the indian occupation of kashmir and this kind of shit you have to imagine the isi is is trying to do more operations there so you know if a full scale war breaks out or even a, a proxy war between india and uh, pakistan like we have really fueled the fire of this shit we oh, have yeah. we have created the ISI and uh, made it into a very deadly and uh, straight up evil organization, all to further, um, you know, our policy in Afghanistan, which also created Al Qaeda. <laughs> so it's like the U.S. is bad at giving people money to fight our own wars, right? Yeah, but we defeated the Soviet Union, and <laughs> n- uh, only good things have come from that, right? It is something where it's like. The Soviet war, the Soviet Union's war against Afghanistan was a very horrific war, you know, depending on the estimates, one or two million dead, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, mass civilian bombing, uh, mass rape by uh, Russian soldiers, all that shit. But the actual policy that we implemented there 100% made the situation worse, and we're living with the consequences of it today because we... just funded an insurgency. Right. We went to, you know... uh, uh, the Pakistani Secret Service, which was also running heroin, and we said, here's as many weapons and as, as, many, as much money as you need, and we're not going to give a shit about all of the heroin trafficking and everything else you're involved in here. So, I mean, you know, it is just something where it makes sense that we don't hear about this because our entire political class is implicated in what they did here, and uh, they would rather just point at Pakistan and say, oh, it's a fucked up corrupt country and not acknowledge our role in what we have done. But I guess to start the episode, <laughs> uh, why don't why why don't uh, <laughs> how do this? I hope the levels are fucked up on that one, and people get mad at us. <laughs> don't no, clean it. No, this will be fine. Um, how come so much corruption? in this country is swept under the rug so seamlessly. Like everything you're talking about, I've heard pieces of, you know, kind of my entire life. Every, you know, every single piece of that I've heard a little bit of, but at no point has a thorough breakdown been been pre- presented. But more importantly, it seems to me that the uh, arbitrators of all of this have never been identified or fucking uh, taken a task on this. Why, why does this continue? Part of it's baked into the system. Like, you know, one thing with Nixon was that the uh, Watergate break-in was to attack his political opponents. But when you have something uh, like Iran-Contra or BCCI, where it's uh, crimes of the establishment, mm-hmm. uh, more bipartisan, then there's not the incentive to look into them, not the incentive to um, you know enforce them. Like, Nixon made lots and lots of enemies. That was pretty much his uh, M.O. His only crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, when they were uh, impeaching him, uh, some of the higher-ups in Congress, or a lot of people in Congress wanted to uh, include a lot of his war crimes in Vietnam, but, you know, for uh, most of the people who were kind of pushing the impeachment, they tried to keep those out of the impeachment because that was just business as usual. You know, mass murder was business as usual, but breaking in to your political opponent's uh, hotel room, you know, that's, that's okay. I can't wait till we start doing video feed for this podcast and the listeners get to see all of our Roger Stone Nixon tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the Nixon um, revisionist podcast. I got Frost Nixon tattooed on my ass. 
Um, but so just to give a brief overview of Iran-Contra, because it's important that we kind of go through, hammer down the details here. So the Tower Commission is a Texas Senator, John Tower, who we'll actually come back to in just a second here. Uh, he's uh, appointed in 1986 to write uh, this report of what happened with the Iran-Contra. And just I'm going to quote a paragraph from this here. Uh, quote, using the Contras as a front and against international law and U.S. law, weapons were sold using Israel as intermediaries to Iran during the brutal Iran-Iraq war. The U.S. was also supplying weapons to Iraq, including ingredients for nerve gas, mustard gas, and other chemical weapons. Again, the Iran-Iraq war, horrific war, at least a million dead, uh, really a World War One style war where there was chemical weapon usage by both sides, mm. um, you know, usage of child soldiers, and we were arming both sides of this conflict and really exacerbating the death toll and the war crimes that were committed there. And nerve gas is like probably the worst of the worst in terms of gases. Like it's uh, like sarin. It's the type of stuff where in the um, uh, Tokyo subway bombings, you know, just a little bit of it was released in the subways and there were, you know, pretty much just getting exposed to it will kill you. Oh, really? Well, yeah. And then we should explain who the Contras are, was a, a right-wing uh, rapist death squad in Nicaragua where, mm-hmm. you know, there was a socialist uprising. Uh, Daniel Ortega took over Nicaragua, and so the Reagan administration says, hey, we got to fund, you know, a right-wing death squad. That's what that video game was about. <laughs> <laughs> I never played that level. If you do, uh, what is it, up, down, up, down, left, <laughs> right, uh, you get to watch four nuns beg you for mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That was El Salvador, which we also did. Uh, but Number so, one. So Human Rights Watch uh, released a report in 1989, which stated, quote, the Contras were major and systematic violators of the most basic standards of the laws of armed conflict, including by launching indis- including launching indiscriminate attacks on civilians, selectively murdering non-combatants, and mistreating prisoners, including mass rape. Uh, in uh, an affidavit to the World Court, a former Contra named uh, Edward, uh, Edgar uh, Chamorro testified that, quote, the CIA did not discourage such tactics. To the contrary, the agency severely criticized me when I admitted to the press that we had uh, that our organization had regularly kidnapped and executed agrarian reform workers and civilians. We were told that the only way to defeat the Sandinistas, the Nicaraguan socialists, was to kill, kidnap, rob and torture. So. Yeah, it's so embarrassing that Bernie Sanders supported the Sandinistas. <laughs> <laughs> and so BCCI was the intermediary for these deals because we've mentioned here after the church committee, after Watergate, is a Senate committee that tried to look in the CIA a little bit. Uh, actually, the, in the 70s, the Senate passed a law, the Congress passed a law saying the CIA could not do assassinations. Oh, really? Which BCCI <laughs> comes back to because they just contract out their assassinations to BCCI. Uh but um, the and then I guess uh, the, the drone program came along, and I guess if you do it from an airplane, it doesn't count. Right, right. I just drop shit from a plane. Yeah. Who it hit <laughs> is not my responsibility. But so you know, um, the uh, National Security Council, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the CIA—they all have secret slush fund accounts at BCCI, where they just park their money with BCCI. And BCCI is so good at taking money offshore and hiding it in the Cayman Islands that they are happy to hold money for these intelligence agencies to buy favors with them so that these intelligence agencies will look the other way on other shit BCCI is doing. But also, now they have their black ops budget again, and they can hide it from Congress. And, of course, Oliver North was uh, uh, the 
one of the main players in Iran-Contra. He had a BCCI account. Adnan Khashoggi was one of the weapons dealers. Uh, he used BCCI as an intermediary. So on both sides of this transaction, you know, the murdering rapist Contras and the horrific Iran-Iraq war, we are sending weapons and money and making the situation worse in secret, in violation of the Congress and uh, congressional law. Uh, and BCCI is the intermediary profiting from that. So it's like, yes, this is worse than Watergate. There is no doubt in my mind. Mm. And it's just so little talked about today, and we still have all these fucking Democrats talking about Reagan as a decent, honorable Republican, you know? Yeah. So that's the world we all live in. But uh, I guess we should just kind of... <laughs> I had nothing. I was like, any play drop. <laughs> it's got too fucking dark, and I need... <laughs> Can, can you tell that this Frontline documentary was made in 1992? <laughs> yeah, they were just like, and then the Middle East, and then they just play an audio of... Uh, <laughs> just the most strained call to prayer. Like, I've, I've lived in a neighborhood with calls to prayer. Usually they just sound like someone singing, not someone... Uh, Dying. Just shredding their own larynx. <laughs> in fairness to Frontline, uh, pre-9-11, this was actually an original technique in filmmaking. <laughs> and then after 9-11, this is like the standard shot in every movie sure. with the Middle East. I'd like to think that they're like, is this the torture audio or the praying audio? <laughs> they, didn't, um, they didn't have footage of like the obstacle course, though. <laughs> right, right, the, right. Yeah, yeah, not yet. The, yeah, the they didn't have Al Qaeda didn't exist yet, so they yep. didn't have any of that. But they did have, I think, another uh, like a twenty second thing of like guys with rifles. Mm. Dance, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because like what the, when they're playing that sound, like the uh, what's on screen is just a city, and you're like, oh, it's just a city, and they're like the Middle East. <laughs> 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 Oh, okay. It's different. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. yes. This the is the other. You're right, yeah. right, right. That's how Wisco Tango Foxtrot opens. <laughs> it's a live audio from the red light district in Lahore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, to kind of go through the founding of BCCI, um, Aga Hassan Abadi was the bank's founder. He was born in 1922. He dies in 1995. He, I mean, he was certainly for a time a billionaire. I don't know if he died a billionaire. It's it's a fascinating thing with the BCCI story where... But he did die a legend. Yes. <laughs> Towards the end, people start looking for his the, his secret Swiss bank account number. Because again, you know, like 15 billion, depending on your estimate of depositor money, just vanished. Right. So theoretically, he definitely funneled some of that <laughs> into a Cayman Islands and or a Swiss bank account. Um, but... He's a fascinating character, and uh, he was born in um, uh, the uh, was called the territory that that once belonged to the Mughal Empire in India. Um, I guess Yogi, you know a little bit more about that than I do, but uh, the the various uh, Muslim rulers of uh, large sections of India. Apparently, Abadi's family was um, I important people in the court of these Mughal rulers for at least a few hundred years. The Mughal rule was uh, when each state in India was run by royalty, and the Mughals were, I believe, primarily of the Islamic faith. And so the connection between... Can you say Mughals anymore? The connection to this guy, I believe, is that he was a part of the court function of that, that rule at that time. 
Yeah, they get really mad if Draco Malfoy calls them mudbloods. <laughs> <laughs> Many of the Mughals that lived in India when the partition went up would have to move across the border to Pakistan. Are you trying um, to say moguls? No, it's it's Mughal. M-U-G-H-A-L. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Hey, you bitch. <laughs> I thought you were just mispronouncing mogul. No, no. That's why I, was like, I was like, why is Andy stomping on my nuts right now? <laughs> God damn. The Mughals. Andy's the representation of white arrogance, <laughs> where he thinks he can correct an Indian guy on the pronunciation of the former Mughals. rulers of India. India. Uh, but so yeah, Abadi's family. I have were, no defense for this. Abadi's <laughs> uh, family were the uh, uh, throughout his family tree for several hundred years. They were the courtiers to the uh, the Mughal rulers in India, and actually, his great grandfather, Abadi's great grandfather, was hanged by the British because I think in 1857 there was a violent uprising against British rule uh, that his great grandfather and several other. Uh, uh, people within the Mughal inner circle participated in. So Abadi's great-grandfather was was hanged uh, by the British. Yeah, it links to actually the Vijay Malia's uh, ancestral lineage as well, because those were also freedom fighters among that period. So there are a whole bunch of uprisings against the British in India at that time. And to this fucking day, Brits, we coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. If you Google BCCI, the first result yeah. is actually the, the Indian Cricket League. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, which, really? Huh. You know... <laughs> the CIA had to pay a lot to get that <laughs> right, shit set right, up. Right, right. <laughs> just impossible to research this subject now if you the, don't know where to look. There's like, like a dickload of Indian banks that just got way too many fucking initials as their bank names. Like there's one that's like ICICICI, and it's like cut a couple of C's or I's, buddy. It's, it's too much. Forget about forget about looking for BCCI on any video sharing site. <laughs> that's only the cricket one. Right. Right. Um, but so the the history of uh, Aga Hassan Abadi, again, he's born 1922. In 1947-48 um, is, of course, the... 1942? The independence and partition of India. He's born in 1922, and then in 1947-48 okay. is the independence... Would and you I'll say he was born in 1922, Hassan Abadi, 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 Andy, you took way too much ADD medication today. <laughs> <laughs> just like why was 1922 the trigger on that one is that a lyric in that song no it's just he kept saying abadi abada and then 22 oh, gotcha. rhymes with right. blue got it this is this is how I'll the sausage gets made <laughs> it's uh it's uh more of a um the jungle system <laughs> the wheel is turning and then it just stops every now and then <laughs> <laughs> Just like the uh, the fucking joke factory in Andy's head. Sometimes, like the safety inspector is just not looking, and this kind of shit comes out. And there's a massive collapse, and several workers are killed. I like that. There's a safety inspector yeah. in that joke factory. And he, there's he exists. The position's there, but yeah. he doesn't come out nearly as much as he used to. The safety inspector is the guy who keeps the shit that doesn't make any sense in your head and prevents you from saying it out loud and having your friends look at you blankly. <laughs> and he's like fucking doing a cover-up uh with osha investigators <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on at his joke factory i'm just tweeting through it no this is the safest joke factory we've got <laughs> those statistics are wrong the cnn's lying acting like Mueller in the 90s 
I don't yeah. see any problem with this joke factory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, everything they've pumped out has been A quality, if you ask me. That was the Robert Mueller defense. Robert Mueller went on uh, TV a bunch of times with BCCI, and he would go something like, well, the people criticizing this just don't understand how investigation works. <laughs> you know, like, yes, we got all these hints in 1978, but... It really does take until 1991 before you do the <laughs> right, slightest right, right. fucking thing about any of this. It takes 12 years to investigate a company. Are, are either uninformed, naive, or both. Uh, Robert Mueller of the Justice uh, Department. This is Sarah Kenzier from Gaslit Nation, and you're listening to Mueller, She Wrote. The irony of... <laughs> Man, I hope this music isn't copywritten. <laughs> The irony, of course, being that Robert Mueller actually gaslit the American public <laughs> with regards to the BCCI investigation. Well, he made up for it with his uh, damning indictment of the, the Trump presidency and uh, their, their Russia. Also, the Russia -ing. He yes, also Robert Mueller, head of the S FBI during the cover up of the Saudi links to 9-11. So uh, it's very, and that's the other thing, you know, we talk about this shit doesn't get mentioned. Robert Mueller became an American hero for Democrats. Again, these are people who nominally belong to the opposition party. This guy's yep. a fucking Republican operative his entire life who covers up BCCI, who covers up, helps cover up the uh, Saudi link to 9-11. And, uh, and the uh, American biological weapons link to the anthrax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you heard none of that shit on MSNBC. I didn't even know any of this shit until just very recently. Yeah. And... You would think if the parties are oppositional, they do everything to destroy each other. The Democrats would want this shit out there. But, well, I guess if Robert Mueller's investigating Trump, you know, who cares? Let's just throw this shit all by the wayside. Um, <clears throat> um, but so uh, Aga Hassan Abadi, he uh, moves to Pakistan. Say the name three times. Yes. Aga Hassan Abadi. Aga Hassan Abadi. <laughs> Aga Hassan Abadi. I'm blue. You guys think as part of my research for this episode, I didn't practice and Google <laughs> how to pronounce names. You're doing great. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so he moves to Pakistan with the, the Civil War, the partition. He is originally in Lahore, the city of Lahore. He's working for, he gets a job in the Habib Bank, H-A-B-I-B. Um, and then in 1957, I believe, in 59, he launches a, a bank, the first bank in Pakistan since its independence called the United Bank. Um, and, yeah. And so the United Bank, he, um, Abadi, what he does throughout this time, throughout the 50s, early 60s, he takes these trips to the United Arab Emirates where, you know, this is the early part of petrodollars, the UAE has just found um, uh, oil deposits offshore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's clear there's billions of dollars coming in, but these are formerly just Bedouin tribes. You know, these are very... Um, nomadic people who don't really have any sort of uh, banking system that they're about to have billions of U.S. dollars dumped onto them. And uh, Abadi is smart in that he recognizes that. And so he flies out to the uh, court of the very, of the sheiks in the UAE. He, you know, brings them rugs as a gift. And, you know, he talks to them about, um, let's set up a bank. The first guy throws him out, but then the first guy gets overthrown and replaced with a guy named Sheikh Zayed, Z-A-Y-E-D, who um, becomes one of the richest people in the world because of petrodollars, but uh, Sheikh Zayed is more receptive to Abadi, and um, Abadi actually takes him out to Pakistan, um, takes him um, falconing, 
you know, like that's what they like to sure. do. They have they have their falcons hunt these like turkey like birds, which were apparently got harder to do in UAE as all the money came in because everybody was doing it. So sure. he takes them out to Pakistan where like the right. real falconing right. is taking mm-hmm. place. Um, and he also provides child prostitutes for his entourage. Wow. Uh, yes. So uh, the uh, the cool shit he does and then the slightly more shady shit he does. So he's becoming like a well-known international banker. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, but I like so- how falconing is kind of the equivalent of just like taking your dog out to a field with a bunch of rabbits and being like, go kill one. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing it with a bird, so it's slightly Ooh, more acceptable. Yeah. yeah. But you get to wear the badass glove, though. That's true. That's right. I mean, all ownership of an animal is is either watching it kill stuff or killing stuff with that animal sometimes. That's what I do with my cat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm coming down on this, but like whenever my cat kills uh, a mouse or a, a cockroach, right. I'm like, yeah, get it. <laughs> Just wearing like the fucking fat ass glove with yeah. a falcon on his <laughs> yeah, hand. Yeah, was wearing a, the glove when he hits <laughs> I'm wearing the glove, no but my cat's on it. <laughs> <laughs> They are, they are badass gloves. I mean, like I think Try they're just like to, to stand on it. Yeah, they're like thick leather, so raven claws or whatever can't dig through it. But like, there is a very satisfying feeling to the look of that glove. It took me five years, but I finally trained her to stand on the glove. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the drops took so long, ladies and gentlemen. You get like two of them, and then you get the boots, so you have four falcons. <laughs> and then you're like a Metal Gear Solid boss who like shoots fucking falcons at people. The Shagahod. But so, you know, what happens is um, uh, Abadi sets up this United Bank um, in uh, 59, and it's going pretty well, but it's confined to Pakistan. But then um, uh, Bhutto... Uh, Benazir Bhutto is a future prime minister of Pakistan. It's her father, the original Bhutto. He comes in, and he's originally like a socialist guy. He's very corrupt, but he nationalizes Abadi's um, <clears throat> United Bank and uh, various un- other industries in Pakistan. And Abadi has to play nice with him for a while, but then uh, Bhutto is later overthrown in a military coup and executed uh, very possibly on the suggestion of Abadi right. now for this, this nationalizing the 70s? his bank. This is in the 70s, yes. I believe his bank is nationalized either 71 or 72. Mm. So his solution, when his bank is nationalized, he's under Abadi is under house arrest for a little bit. His solution is he sets up a new bank. In 1972, he sets up BCCI. He incorporates it in Luxembourg because, of course, the Pakistani government won't let him have mm. a bank license in Pakistan, so he just goes abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this so in it ended up growing pretty rapidly. Uh, don't want to jump ahead too much, but between 1972 and 1976, mm-hmm. it started out at about a dozen branches and had an initial capital of like about 100 million and 200 million assets. Oh wow! And then by the time of 1976, just four years later, it was at 108 branches and almost 1.6 billion. Right. And so his startup capital for BCCI in 1972 is 30% um, Bank of America, which was at the time, you might have heard of it, at the time the largest bank in the United States. Bank of America buys a 30% stake in it. Never heard of them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Bank of America buys a 30% stake in BCCI in 1972 because they want to get in on these petrodollars. Um, They would later sell their stake, but... (laughs) 
They would, they would sell their stake, but they would remain a silent partner of BCCI, where it was entirely a cover-your-ass thing, where Bank of America's like, yeah, this fraud is getting a little out of control, <laughs> so we should probably publicly separate ourselves, but continue to, you know, um, be a counterparty for them and a broker for them and all these other things that we'll uh, maybe get back to a little later. But so they get a 30% stake from um, Bank of America, and then the rest of the money, or at least most of it, comes from Sheikh Zayed of um, United Arab Emirates. And again, he's uh, a former Bedouin who gets billions of dollars all at once from the oil deposits in the United Arab Emirates. And so uh, as his banker, Abadi is in a great place to grow very rapidly um, based on that. And the way I've seen it described as to what happens here is BCCI set up in 1972. There's the oil boom, so they're just taking in billions of dollars. But then in the early 80s, there's a, an oil um, price collapse. So BCCI was always involved in, um, let's say, bribery to the Pakistani and uh, the UAE and the Saudis. Uh, they were always involved in this bribery. They were probably very early on also involved in intelligence gathering, uh, drug trafficking, uh, human trafficking. But what happens after the oil collapse in the early 80s is those parts of the business become much more prominent. Guys, just got an email from Louis C.K. His tour dates are out. And I need you to all to know that not only is he going to be in Peoria and Raleigh and Richmond, the uh, comedians' B-cities, but he's also going to be in Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh, hell yeah. Holon, Israel. Hmm. Detroit, Michigan, and Bratislava, Slovakia. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this is where you go Party to work city. when you're out as a uh, <laughs> sexual abuser. Great town. <laughs> but so, you know, he's paying these bribes to Saudis and such, and he's, he's switching in. But you really, you really can't tell this story without talking about Kamal Adham. Kamal Adham was a Saudi, uh, and he was the head of the Saudi intelligence agency from 1965 to 1979. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the main Saudi counterpart of the CIA, uh, particularly throughout the 70s and 60s, and he just so happened to be the head of Saudi intelligence while George H.W. Bush was the head of the CIA. George H.W. Bush's president would later pretend he had never met Kamal Adham oh, at a wow. press conference during the BCCI scandal. Um but you I don't know anything about this man except I've read bad stuff about him, and uh, I, I don't I don't like you know I don't like what I read about him. <laughs> that is George H. W. Bush, former head of the CIA, saying he has never heard of the head of Saudi intelligence during the time he was head of the CIA. <laughs> Yo, for, for a guy who was the head of the CIA, he is a terrible liar. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've never heard of him. I, I mean, I I don't like what I read. I know yeah. that much. He's got the confidence I don't of like, you know. I don't like what I read about him. <laughs> You've got the confidence of a person denying he's cheating on someone. I, yeah. He's a bad guy. I don't know yeah. what's going on with that. That's him. what I said about Sean when someone told me about him first. <laughs> I got read about him. <laughs> That's what I say about Sean now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, so what, by the way, someone posted something you did on like a Twitter on, on like an Instagram thing, and, and yeah. they were they were like, "Oh, this guy does the podcast." And from the podcast account, I said, "We don't know that guy." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look forward to that show. Yeah, um, I don't like you know I don't like what I read about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so what happens here is you know BCCI's transformation to, let's say, straight-up intelligence op or, or whatever you want to call it, to the point where it's not even really recognizable as a bank by the mid-'80s. Um, 
Its transformation is, many people allege, guided by the CIA and Saudi intelligence. Because we've mentioned the Church Committee a bit here, where they're trying, the CIA is trying to hide black ops money from Congress and congressional oversight. Why is it going to be black? <laughs> they're trying to hide this money, and um, what happens is uh, Kamal Adham, again, the head of Saudi intelligence, 65 to 79, works with BCCI, becomes I don't a... Like, you know, I don't like what I read about him. <laughs> uh, he works with BCCI. He becomes a front for BCCI, one of the people who helps them buy an American bank, one of uh, the people who's like, yeah, I'm here on uh, behalf of BCCI to buy this bank. He gets millions of dollars in un- unrepaid loans from BCCI. And, um, and it is just something where there are allegations that are pretty convincing to me where you have to imagine some of this change in BCCI was guided by both Saudi intelligence and the CIA, uh, because, of course, this guy is the CIA's main link to Saudi. Um, and I, what I found kind of interesting here, uh, just uh, quoting, or not quoting, but uh, from the book The Outlaw Bank, um, Kermit Roosevelt, you might be familiar with Teddy Roosevelt's grandson, who was actually the man on the ground who launched Operation Ajax, the coup in Iran. He, you know... Uh, uh, put all these money in different people's hands, started a bunch of fucking fake riots to get, you know, the uh, people out on the street and the military to come in. Uh, Kermit Roosevelt was later representing the defense firm Northrop. This is before it merged <laughs> with, with Grumman. Um, and so uh, the outlaw bank quotes Kermit Roosevelt as saying that in the mid-60s, Kamal Adham, the head of Saudi intelligence, was being... Uh, he was repping three different U.S. defense firms, really? the head of Saudi intelligence, and uh, because Kermit Roosevelt was working for Northrop at the time, it was his job to court Kamal Adham and get him to rep a fourth U.S. defense <laughs> firm, which was Northrop. Well, so, to be fair, it's not easy being green. Right. So it is something where the U.S. defense establishment and all these defense companies, which of course make a lot of money selling weapons to Saudi and you know UAE and whoever the fuck, whatever human rights violators, they are very much tied up in the CIA and Saudi intelligence. Um, there's another thing from the Outlaw Bank where they talk about Kamal Adham uh, in... Um, uh, I think it's 76, the uh, State Department intervenes to protect Kamal Adham from uh, SEC bribery charges. Yes, 1976, the um, U.S. State Department intervenes to protect Kamal Adham and Boeing from SEC bribery charges because the way you know these weapons and other deals uh, worked in Saudi Arabia is you would get an agent to the royal family who would take a quote-unquote commission— which is, you know, under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, functionally equivalent to a bribe, uh, which is not legal, but you have to pay these uh, various people who are connected to the royal family, you have to pay them off. Mm. So another thing BCCI does is they become a way of hiding these bribes that Boeing and all of these defense contractors are paying to various people within the Saudi and UAE government and such. Um, And the State Department is, in 1976, intervening to protect this guy from bribery charges. So it it is just something where, at very high levels of the U.S. government, we're working with this guy who just happens to be a major BCCI shareholder, board member, in addition to just the head of Saudi intelligence, uh, which just happened to torture and kill political opponents throughout his entire time there. So the bank is very much part of the state, almost. Right. I think, like, um, it's, it's very much part... 
particularly the Pakistani state, where it's almost indistinguishable from the ISI and the Pakistani military, and so many people are given jobs and straight-up bribes from there. But also they do a very similar thing with, uh, with the Saudi government and even more so with the UAE government. But I guess we'll kind of uh, wrap up this first half here and uh, this first part, and we'll talk more on the next episode about how BCCI eventually fell And we'll talk a bit about, uh, in part two, if necessary, part three, we'll talk about possible Jeffrey Epstein and possible uh, child trafficking links. Though I guess I should just mention one more thing here. We mentioned the Tower Commission report at the beginning of this episode is um, Senator John Tower is the guy who wrote the official report on Iran-Contra. And so in the Outlaw Bank, the uh, the journalists interview a former member of... So the guy who lost a bunch of family on 9-11... He actually did die in a plane crash, which is, I looked into it a bit. There are conspiracy theories that John Tower was assassinated on this plane crash, and I haven't been able to find any, like, convincing evidence of that. However, it is weird how a whole bunch of BCCI people, including Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's father, and this guy, all died in 1991 mostly under sort of mysterious circumstances. And Hmm. all of these people are heavily involved in BCCI. There was also a journalist who was killed, uh, which we will talk about. Um, Because it's a good year for cleaning house. But so I wanted to just mention here, um, in the the book, The Outlaw Bank, the authors interview a, uh, at the time, member of the Black Network. You always got to be black, Sean. Come on. (laughs) Which, again, BCCI's Secret Intelligence Service, they have about 1,500 members. And um, he talks about how uh, you can't talk finances with any of the royal families, you know, the UAE, the uh, Saudi royal family. He says mainly you just either talk about camels or you bring them girls. Or he also says that the westernized sons... That sounds racist. (laughs) That's what he said. He says that the westernized sons, they would actually bring cocaine for them. You know, like the westernized sons of the uh, various royal families would do cocaine. But he also says, quote, they would bring them young boys, unquote. Uh, just to is, hang out? Yeah, mm-hmm. just a little disturbing. Um, Play video games? Yeah. Back, back ribs, right? Really into Contra. <laughs> but what I wanted to mention here... and, and Place we'll, on uh, Capcom? You think they're raping those boys, Sean? Yes, I absolutely do. And in fact, even the Kerry Committee, this is Senator John Kerry, does a report on BCCI where he says that they would go to, um, I think it's called the Diamond Market, and get these quote-unquote dancing girls, which were children who would be trafficked to the various, Mm. the sheiks and the entourages from the UAE and Saudi and other places. Uh, They say they've found uh, testimony from people as young as eight years old uh, who were, um, you know, raped and uh, their bodies were damaged by this rape. Uh, but eight-year-olds, 12-year-olds, very young girls. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, it's we'll, the kind of thing that makes the average citizen puke and look at this system and say, yuck, you know, what's going on? This is, of course, uh, John Kerry, who went on to uh, help the Saudis, uh, helped facilitate the Saudis carrying out their genocide in Yemen. What a good dude. Yeah. yeah. Really, really upstanding, strong moral compass. Yeah, sorry. Also featured prominently as one of the good guys in the Frontline documentary on BCCI, Congressman Chuck Schumer, who would later go on to be one of the most corrupt Democrats in the Senate. Yeah, there's there's this part where he's like, you know, I realize, like, if you see where the money's going in and where the money's coming out, you can... uh, 
you can learn a lot about how, how this corruption goes down. And it's like, yeah, I I'm, assume you want to learn that. Uh, I mean, it's so funny how, like, when Sean opened the learned. episode, he was like, you know, the people in power are still the same people. And then we're literally bringing up these politicians <laughs> that in today's, you know, society have pretty good moral standings for the most part. And yeah. criticism of them from the liberal group is, you know, like, disdained in such a, mis- you know, erroneous level. And it's like, no. These these fuckers are proliferating these goddamn crimes against humanity yeah. and contributing to the uh, elite status that America has trafficked in for all time. Well, it is kind of funny. It's the kind of thing that makes the average citizen puke. And look at this. <laughs> puke. Puke. Yuck. <laughs> puke. <laughs> it, puke. Puke, puke, puke. <laughs> It is kind of funny where... Um, What's going on? <laughs> Dude, do the remix, though. <laughs> we'll go yeah, out on that. All right, yeah, cool. Yeah. It is kind of funny where, you know, John Car- in the early 90s, John Kerry and Chuck Schumer are the people blowing the whistle on the evil that is BCCI. Right, right. Yeah. And then they would, of course, go on to use that as a springboard to becoming part of the power structures that they are condemning and uh, yeah. perpetrating uh, similar uh, atrocities, if not quite on the Phew. same level. Uh, so hopefully Grubstakers yeah. gets to follow the John Kerry, <laughs> Chuck Schumer route. Yeah. Where we are doing an episode condemning BCCI, yeah. but ten years this podcast will be like promo- doing ad reads What's for an even on? worse scam than BCCI. Yeah. Shell company three four levels deep. Puke. Hey guys, uh, we got the uh, Grub Stickers episode on uh, the McDonald's clown sponsored by Libra, the currency we all use, and I uh, don't need to tell you any more about it. Uh, okay, we're getting the evil eye from our laptops, so we got to go now. Now, uh, Grubstakers, you know we only tell you the truth, but we're here to talk about the essential reforms that have been done in the Lahore diamond market. Uh, All of the dancing girls are now 18 years old minimum. And uh, this is actually a voluntary sex worker transaction. Yeah, and we talked to the girls, and they just said they want to have fun, so I don't see what's wrong with what's going on, you know? Grubstakers is brought to you by the Parallax Consulting Firm. (laughs) Parallax. When a pro- when a senator uh, gets in your way, look, we know parallax. <laughs> we never we never bullshit you guys, but uh, Andy's going through an eviction, so we have to do these ad reads for child trafficking now. Puke. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, Puke. But I guess the last thing, and and we'll certainly continue this uh, on the uh, the next part on the uh, paywall on the Patreon side. Um, because, you know, we'll talk about some of the confessions of former Black Network members that are... Uh, Why has it got to be Black, Sean? Come God on, damn it. Really, really got to tone it down with all this uh, race hate you got. We'll, we'll talk about some of their confessions about, you know, doing assassinations, blackmail, spying. Um, but I wanted to mention... One, God damn it. One of the only named American politicians in the outlaw bank, and there's... Uh, I couldn't find a source for this anywhere else, but these are, you know, former time correspondents who wrote this book. Uh, every allegation they wrote, they were way ahead of federal investigators breaking the story for Time magazine, and everything they said has been uh, borne out, was borne out by the subsequent investigation. So they interviewed this former member of the uh, the White Network. Um, All right, finally. <laughs> <laughs> this is acceptable. Yeah. Equality indeed. 
So uh, one of the correspondents asks him, so who did you get to, quote, in terms of American politicians? And this member of BCCI's intelligence service says, quote, Senator John Tower, they knew his weaknesses. They sent him women, young beauties from Lahore, then got videos and films. And this is Senator John Tower, who we mentioned at the top of the episode wrote the... You're you're supposed to refer to them as the sex workers. (laughs) Senator John Tower, we mentioned at the top of the episode, wrote the official um, Tower uh, Commission report, which was the look into the Iran-Contra. And a lot of people who were named in that report, such as Oliver North, were very upset about it. It clearly told a lot of things that were true um, and is reliable in parts, uh, but it paints Reagan as just being unaware of what was going on, of being kind of a bad or incompetent manager who, who didn't really wasn't involved in these decisions, when I think he very much was. Um, but it also kind of covers up the role of George H.W. Bush. So it is just weird that Senator John Tower uh, is the only, as far as I could find, person who is named as a blackmail victim mm. of this BCCI network who also happened to be the guy who wrote the government's official report on the Iran-Contra scandal. So, you know, maybe... It's even worse, and I have to imagine, just of like some of the allegations, that a lot of shit happened in Iran-Contra that is even worse than what the public at large knows. Um, and, of course, John Tower was killed in an airplane crash in 1991. There are conspiracies that he was murdered. I haven't seen any evidence for that, but I think it is, to me, very credible that he was blackmailed uh, with these trafficked uh, underage girls uh, by BCCI operatives. The green countries are the countries where we wash our money. <laughs> the blue countries are the... Excuse co- me, Mr. President, sir. Yes. <laughs> um, but I guess uh, to kind of wrap up as we, as we go on to the other, uh, as the next subject, what you find with BCCI is a lot of things that are very familiar with the Jeffrey Epstein case. There was actually, we'll talk about it on the next episode, there's a 1988 Florida plea bargain to let BCCI off the hook, which seems Shoot. to be <laughs> seems to be a running theme with these kind of sex trafficking operations uh, that yeah. are maybe connected to the intelligence agencies of the world. Um, there's a lot of running themes here, and the 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 trafficking of Jeffrey Epstein, I think, very credibly, is at least linked to the Central Intelligence Agency and the Mossad. And yeah, there's a. Um an article, it, but it hasn't been corroborated, so it's it's hard to um, say how credible it is. Uh, but it was claiming that a former Mossad agent uh, had stated that uh, Jeffrey Epstein was recruited into the Mossad by Robert Maxwell, who Seymour Hersh claimed uh, was not a, um, a spy for Israel, but, you know, uh, it, it's it's kind of up for grabs but then um basically uh, epstein's job was to acquire blackmail for Mossad, right mm. which i mean it wouldn't be shocking according to this no. article. right should we yeah. do the rest of this epstein stuff on part two yeah Just, part two and if necessary part three we'll come back to some of the uh various epstein connections and his possible links to bcci and we'll also close out the story of how bcci eventually imploded and um let's say the cover-up since then, how we just, since 1993, even though the lawsuits for various shareholders have been ongoing all the way up to 2017, trying to get their fucking money back, there's just been no news reports and no discussion of this to the point where BCCI, like, 
myself included, most Americans had no idea what the fuck you were talking about until I researched this episode. Um, so we, we'll follow up with that. Uh, check us out, uh, patreon.com uh, slash grubstakers. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully get through this entire story and crack the case. But you know what? Check out the Patreon because that's where the libel is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where, that's where the shit that we're going to get sued over <laughs> is all stashed. And with that, this has been Grubstickers. I'm Yogi Powell. I'm Andy Palmer. I'm Steve Jeffries. I'm Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Shoot. See you on part yeah, two. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Oh.